It's time to dive deep with a guy who started out selling obituary ads in the Philippines to then spending the last two decades from the C-suite in some of the largest marketing organizations in Southeast Asia, from McCann, Dentsu, and now Ditto CME and Udena. All the way through Web 1, Web 2, and Web 3, he now finds himself smack dab in the middle of the leading consumer market for NFTs in the Philippines. And on today's episode, we're going to find out why you cannot ignore the Philippines. As Chris just said, they went from BPO capital of the world, social media capital world, and now they're ready to take on the Web3 world. And we're ready to take you on an inspiring and entertaining journey with Donald Webb. So get ready for episode two of the Web3 show. Yeah, uh. Here we go, here we go, it's the Web3 show. Before you know, it will be Web4, then Web5, Web6, Web7. But now it's Web3, so let's all go to heaven on a podcast here. This ish is the best. Learn and laugh with Travis and listen to Chris. Donna lives in the house with Sophia and Nova. Talking about AI to help you get over. Yeah, like I said, it's the Web3 show. Now you know what you're getting, so let's freaking go. Well, we are here today with our good friend, Donald Lim. Donald, let's go deep on not only your career in Web3 and how you got to it, but also what's happening in Southeast Asia. Thanks for joining us on the Web3 show. Uh, thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, well, it, it's it's a very you know, long journey for me you know, going into Web3. As many as many people know, I'm, I'm they really identify me more as Web1. Uh, in, in the very early stages of digital, I was starting out my career I actually was, uh, I came from, imagine I came from print. So I was head of marketing of the uh, countries of the Philippines, uh, largest newspaper company called the Inquirer, the Philippine Daily Inquirer. And I started my career selling obituaries. So I was going to funeral parlors and telling yes. them to buy advertising so that they can announce to the entire Philippines that their loved one is dead. So imagine that's, wow. that was my, my job that time. <laughs> and uh, and and you know I was uh, I was having you know fun, but in a way you, every sale is a, you talk to crying people, right? Uh, but then, like it's like uh, you know I my, my my I remember my slogan that time: everyone's dying to be in the Inquirer. Oh my god! <laughs> so, <laughs> from, people are dying from, to get in here. Like, yeah, that's right. So I, I from print. I, I I really started a lot of uh, projects there. Uh, we started uh, like a. Before there, you haven't even heard of a job fair where uh, you get people, uh, a lot of companies in a, in a mall, and they're all looking for recruitment. As you know, Philippines before we were the BPO capital of the world, so we had more than a million people on call centers. And for those yeah. who don't know what the acronym means, business process optimization oh, yeah. is that right? Business process outsourcing. Outsourcing. So you, you, yeah, business process outsourcing. So they were outsourcing a lot of uh, uh, customer support, customer service even all the way into, into support services for accounting, among many others. So we were like a massive BPO hub. So I was selling classifieds. Uh, I was selling, you know, print that time was really king. And then I got, you know, I had, I had a very, very nice job, you know, vice president of marketing. That's like everyone wants to talk to me. Uh, very powerful role in the largest newspaper. And then someone called me and said, would you like to be a CEO of a startup? And I said, what's that? And 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 of course, uh, it's called yehey.com. So if you're familiar with Yahoo, Yahoo, it's yehey. In the Philippines, you don't say Yahoo, you say yehey. 
Yeah, right? You say yeah. Okay. Like, well, we say don't yeah, actually hey. say Yahoo in America either until they force <laughs> us to. But that's true. That's true. But it's very Filipino. It's yeah, hey. It's a copy paste of uh, of Yahoo, actually. A bit of search engine, a bit of uh, email, a bit of uh, of chat and everything in between. But so so I was running it for five years. The intent was to get it listed in the stock market. So that was my you know my my foray into Web one. So it's really as as web as it as it mm. as it gets. But th- I I just I just realized that time that there was, you know, being yehe.com, we're we're not number one. Uh Yahoo and Google were very Americanized, we're very westernized as a country. So if you can use Yahoo, you can use Google, why are you using yehe.com? Even if you even if I tell them, no, use it because it's local, people don't care. They mm-hmm. in fact they like to be westernized, they like to use a US product. So, you so know, I, I want to say something right there, Donald, because I've, I've been to the Philippines a couple of times, and it really seems to me that most people are completely fluent in English, right? And they're so nice to American people. So you go over there, as I think I said before, you want to be celebrated, not tolerated. And here you are, you know, you go there and you, you literally, it's amazing. Everyone is so kind and nice there. And so you can see how they might've been looking at that and said, why do we need Yahoo? We speak great English. I'm just going to use Google. Yep. Correct. You know, you know, you know, exactly what you've said, right? I mean, if you go back to history and a bit of history here, we have, we're under 300, more than 300 years of Spanish rule, right? And then 50 years of Hollywood or more than 50 years of Hollywood, right? Under the American rule. So you see that the, the, the influences coming from the U.S., we really look up to, you know, the, the regular Filipino, if you see a Caucasian, they really look up to it, right? Like, you're the savior, right? You're the savior of, of our country, and uh, and uh, and uh, we hope that you stay with us. So so it, it, that was really the, the the mindset of a regular Filipi- regular Filipino. So, so you know, I ran Yehi, and that time it was very tough. So I said, you know, uh, because I'm a marketing person through and through, and through I realized that uh, one of my, our... I survive via advertising and no one places advertising on yehe.com. So I said, you know, if you want to, if, 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 uh, if I want people to place ads, I need to make the buy bigger. So I gathered all the players in the industry and said, you know, our competition is not each other. Our competition is TV, radio, and print. And imagine I came from print, right? So I'm now going up against them and saying, our competition, if you want, maybe we can allocate like 10% of their budget, of a marketing budget from TV, radio, print to digital, and we'll be okay. So I gathered the industry, uh, all the players, and that uh, that started what is called today, as of today, IMAP, which is the Internet and Mobile Marketing Association of the Philippines. So we created our own code of ethics. We created our own awards program. We created our own what we call certified digital marketer. So it's a certification that you are a real digital person, digital marketing person versus anyone who claims they are. So we even cra- work with us, uh, the schools and crafted a syllabus for digital marketing as a three-unit course in college and universities. And that's even relevant up to- at that time as well, because that's like right at the point where Web2 is starting to gain some traction. Okay. Not quite yet. Facebook has just popped out, right? Where more people can actually get to Facebook, right? Because Facebook was a locked in. You had to be at a university, have a university email. Then it sort of opened up. This is right around the time that Twitter was starting to pop up. Yep. YouTube has just been acquired yep. right by Google. So you're sitting right there in the hub in the Philippines mm-hmm. of that digital yeah. revolution in Web2 that was taking place. Yeah, that's, that's that's very well said. In fact, a lot of people are really jumping to the internet, but they don't have a lot of content. That's why we had to set up that organization. There were so many fly-by-nights, right? 
So there was a Silicon Valley going, you know, everyone wants to invest in a website, right? So so even here in the Philippines, you have bits and pieces of that, right? Telling uh, the, the conglomerate, hey, I have a website. Can you give me more millions of, uh, of dollars or pesos and invest in me? So when we set up that organization, it really, the intent is to legitimize the industry so that people will have more trust into the system, more trust into digital. So... That's that's IMAP. And fast forward, that's like 17 years ago. We celebrated its 17th year just a month ago, right? It's wow. going strong. Uh, we, we actually had Digicon. So Digicon is very popular in Southeast Asia. Uh, we we always have like 5,000 attendees, everyone who's, who's who would always want to speak in the Digicon. So that's, you know, that was my first foray into web. I'm not, I'm totally not taking, I don't know how to code even up to now, but I would always look at digital and wear uh, a, a business and a marketing hat. So having said that, you know, I I I I I switched jobs after Yehi.com. We got it listed in stock market uh, via a backdoor. But uh, but one of the most interesting calling was really Makan. If you're familiar with an ad agency, it's Makan under the Interpublic Group. Uh, they got me to to run MRM, which was their digital unit that time. And a lot of and 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 that was really when Facebook was really going strong here, and they need someone to help them in their social media needs. So with that. Uh, uh, I I I I got the the chance to work on the biggest brands, Coca-Cola, uh, Nestle. I mean, all of these big brands. So I was learning from the U.S. counterparts, right, and implementing best practices and implementing it here. And what I have is the you know the most social country in the world, right? The social media capital of the world. So so it's it's really just putting in the right practices and watching it explode. So when I handled, for example, Cafe. No, so, uh, but I, I want you to keep going, but I'm just so curious because that that's a big point that you're making there. And I just want you to kind of make sure, elaborate on that a little bit, because I'm wondering what the catalyst was uh, or the, you know, the thing that made Filipinos specifically, I don't want to say want to be social, right? Because that's not the, but what I'm getting at is, was it the fact that there was now smartphones? Like, was that the catalyst? Was it something different? Was it because the platform just solved a problem, whether it was Facebook or whatever at the time, for them to connect and interact with all the islands? Like, what was the impetus for it becoming a social media capital uh, at the level that it, it was? Ryan Seacrest in American Idol. Chris. Yep. I've been on TV shows. No. The Kardashians. The Kardashians and everyone else. Yeah. Well, that's Hollywood, right? I mean, we're very Hollywood anchored. So you can ask any Filipino; they know Kardashians, right? So, so we you you want to you want to rock uh, any so any Facebook page. We we you you go to the Philippines and we'll give you one million immediately. And that was the early days, right? Even even if you look at the elections, it's very much anchored on social media, right? You 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 get you win the Facebook war, you win the elections. Before it was ABS, CBN, and and, uh, and the Inquirer, right? You 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 get the you know them to say something good about you, you will win an election. But but now and it's very much. I would say this. I noticed this when I went to the Philippines. Facebook was actually free, meaning that you didn't. It actually would provide you with internet. Like if you were in a, yep. in a remote area, Snoke without any internet, then that it would literally give you free access as, as long as you're using Facebook. That's right. So a telco provider, the telco providers are giving what they call free Facebook. Now, right, so that prompted the usage of also. So imagine before when you text or call, you have to pay, right? You you still have to pay one peso or two pesos. But but if you go to a Facebook Messenger platform, then it's automatically free. 
That's what I'm getting at. So there, the, was a, there was a strategic move in that case, you're saying, by Facebook to provide connectivity, which was part of the catalyst for that. And to this day, which is ironic, Travis, like when I was just there a couple of months ago, uh, I'm not sure if this is true, Donald, but I, I had a couple of people tell me that the most relevant platform, because I was like, is it TikTok? Is it Instagram? Like, what is it today? And they said Facebook yep. groups is still a big deal in the Philippines, like which is not true anywhere else. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yep. Yeah, well, well, Facebook groups among many others. So you're seeing everyone. We're, we're again, we're very, we're very social creatures, as, as you know, Filipinos, right? You walk down the street, everyone says hi to you. We, we're a country of smiles, so it's very innate in our system, right? And so if if you look at, if you look at, it, we have the longest Christmas in the world, right? If it's reach September, you have, it's, you 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 hear Christmas carols in every mall. I will guarantee you, every mall. September one because it's Burr months already. Wow! Right? So we, that's even longer than Puerto Rican Christmas. Really? Puerto Rican Christmas okay. ends like like in that like the ninth or tenth of January. So it sounds yep. to me like Philippines has got yeah. the Christmas spirit. Yeah. It's almost Christmas it's, time there right now. It's, yeah. When I when I landed in the airport, when I landed in <laughs> when I landed in the airport, the, I mean, and you expected it to be decorated for the holidays because it was it was around the holiday season, but. Um, the the guy driving me told me like that it had been up since like September. Like, yeah. Really? yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and because Filipinos like to gather, so any excuse for us to gather, right? So so imagine that every excuse for you to gather, and even during the pandemic, we were not allowed to physically ga gather. They were on Zoom gathering. People were mm -hmm. drinking wine, and everyone's on Zoom, and you have to show your beer. <laughs> you have to show your wine that, right? So it's it's very innate in us. Right, so imagine that you have technology bringing that out, right? Manifesting all of that, in, 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 and you know, just a powerful tool for all of us to play with. So, so you know, you, you, that's why I, you know, I, I remember when I was handling Nescafe that time, we were the, the Nescafe global page was 1.5 million. Nescafe Philippines on its own is 2.1 million. Right, so you have global 1.5 Philippines. They said, what happened there? Right, what happened there? So. So, so it's, it's it's we're really very social. We're very much into influencers. You've seen some because of we're very social. Uh, we also look at social media as a as as the new space versus broadcast. So before you see celebrities coming from from television, from radio, but now it's slowly moving to social. And 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 you know when you fast forward it to uh, mid to late twenty you know twenty fifteen to the twenty twenties, you're seeing already a lot of uh, what we call social capital. A lot of the influencers are really making a name and making a lot of money. You've seen the rise of NCNs people, YouTube influencers, all of them really raking it in, right? Uh, uh, opening of toys, kids' toys. You've seen a lot of, and, and again, as you know, Filipinos are natural entertainers also. We sing, we dance. I mean, you, you put any Filipino on a stage, they're ready to perform. Any Filipino, right? So Very you pick them up. Some of the best graphic designers and animators in the oh, world, yeah. I, I, I've noticed, are from the Philippines. Just so creative, so full. I think they're very full of love. You know, it just seems like they're full of that that joy of life and yeah. very polite and very friendly. And I guess now there's, what, almost 115 million Philippines in, in the world there now. How many of those, I remember somebody said, uh, they were talking, I mean, we even mentioned it last week. How many of those 115 million would you say own at least one NFT or have a Web3 wallet of some sort? Well, give or take. That's that's at least a fourth of that population. So that wow. that still you know be bigger than most countries. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about five million people have one, then that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, if you think about a global, how many people globally in the population own some kind of digital asset? It's like under one percent. If you think about yeah. the U.S. or other countries, it's probably in the single digits. Travis, I, I don't have an exact number. So the fact that there's 32 million NFT unique holders in a country of 115 million is is like, I mean, it's exponentially higher than anywhere else. Donald, talk to it. So you went from there, then you were at Dentsu and you ran the country for Dentsu, another major, huge advertising yep. um, firm. And, you know, but as, as we you got into you COVID, yeah, as we, as we got into kind of the COVID, not to leap ahead, fill in any gaps you want that you think are relevant, but when we got into 2020 and we had, you know, the, the lockdowns and the whole world went into a freeze for the first time in humanity's history, um, this Axie kind of yield, you know, for, like the the guilds and all these things that came out of the Philippines shocked a lot of people. Was it shocking yeah. to you? Was it kind of did it did it kind of surprise you? But then go, yeah, that makes sense. That's how we are. Like, I, what was the catalyst to that? Why do you think it it took off so fast and so prolific? Because it was to a lot of people that weren't from anything close to the crypto space. Like the average user was was not like twenty years old. So what yeah. was the catalyst for all that? Well, well, I would I would think that uh, number one, most Filipinos are, are in their homes, so they're 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 in their homes. They're not doing anything, and most of them have just been laid off, right? But a big chunk of the Filipinos, a lot are trying, are struggling to study at home. So these are the younger audiences. So they really had nothing else to do. So when Axie came in and brought you know extra you know the promise of you just play and you earn. That's that's something that's that's good. That's a even without COVID, any Filipino would go for it, right? Because we're we we are also a gaming country. So if you look at esports, right, in Asian games, we would compete very well. We would do very well. You're talking about all of these games like Mobile Legends, Dota, among many others. Uh, they would always say that the Filipinos, you know, we're a basketball country, but we're too short. So we let's put all our investments into. In, into gaming where height doesn't matter. It's just the quickness of the thumb. Yeah. Right? And, and, right? The quickness of the thumb. So so sports was something also very natural. We're also very high in the esports uh gaming uh list across across versus other countries. So when Axie came in and you can earn, but the Filipinos just went, you know, crazy over it. So people were actually going in and to a point that a lot of also I, I think there, there there are two things. It's already very natural for a Filipino to play. And then you tell them to earn, of course they will play. But second, there are also a lot of enterprising Filipinos, Chinese and, and others who says, why don't we? Remember, we're a BPO capital. So then they would say, okay, now let's have what we call scholars. Because buying an Axie requires some, some amount of money. And a regular Filipino would not have that kind of money. You need around 100,000, so like $2,000. It's still hefty for a regular Filipino. So what they do is that they 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 call themselves scholars. So on Facebook they would post, uh, "I'm a, uh, I'm a scholar. I'm looking for someone to help me." So anyone would who have money would say, "Okay, let's do. I'll scholar you. You buy your axi, and then we split the revenues straight up 50-50. And that really was huge you know, for them. Outsourcing the playing of Axie yeah. Infinity to earn yeah. that play to earn was yeah. big for what about. Four, six months? How how long okay. did that last last? Yeah, for? yeah give or take. Around, yeah, four, six, eight months max. Okay. But you're talking about some people having thousands of players. Yeah. Right? And they were hedging because the SLP, right, the NFT was really moving up. It's not like from one peso to 18 pesos. So you're getting a multiplier of 18 times. 
uh, in, in a span of what? Some people in the Philippines are making, what is it, like $2 a day or something. So That's some right. of them, it's like they, they, they were able to make a nice full-time income oh, yeah. there for a while. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and again, the testimonials were there on social media. They were saying that, oh, because of Axie, it saved us from the pandemic. We had nothing. And and now, because we're just playing, so more and more people got into the bandwagon. But it, it really just became a phenomenon here. I'm, right? I'm super curious. I'm super curious on the on the original go to market because you said when Axie came in, right? So I want to kind of drill on that and, and understand what you you remember or know about how they came in because the virality of it kind of makes sense and it took off and and that was like kind of the amplifier. But there had to have been a strategy for Axie to go. There's seven thousand islands in the archipelago. Like, how are we going to penetrate this market efficiently and get it to where it was? Was it purely word of mouth or was there a design to how they entered that other brands could learn from? I, I, I don't think, I don't think, I, I, my best guess is that there might be no design, but it's always very natural that Manila being a very dense city and just 20 million in the city of Manila, right? right. So automatically you, 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 you plant a seed here, it will bloom. Right, so very densely populated. The communities are very connected on Facebook. So a lot of Facebook groups are out there. That time also, a lot of uh, businesses coming out, Viber groups, Facebook groups, all of them trying to sell something. Right, people are at their homes. They're not doing anything. Hey, I, I've learned how to cook. Would you like to buy? So they're offering so many things. Uh, I've learned how to do this painting. Would you like to buy? People are selling their wares just to tie them over during the pandemic when many have been laid off. So it was just a natural platform that when you wake up till you go to bed, you are on digital, you're on any digital platform, especially Facebook, and you would begin to see all of these things. Oh, I can earn. I will just do nothing. I will just play. Okay, I'll, I'll jump right in. So I think very important is if you look at it, uh, Manila would always be the impetus for, for all of these. But later on, I think that's a valid question. You know, later on, uh, Pampanga, which is like three, uh, three hours up north, they are they're creating certain hubs already of Axie players. Right, so these are the more enterprising groups who said, "Okay, no, this our city can be an Axie hub." Right, but again, that's when everyone jumped into Web three. That's why I think maybe that's the biggest reason why we're the highest crypto users, NFT users in the uh, in the world because of that. And and was that the catalyst for you um, and kind of the rest of the team of organizers and conveners that that uh, organized what is now. Um, two things. One, the Blockchain Council of Philippines, which is a, a, a kind of public-private partnership between the government and also the, the kind of ecosystem of startup people. And then there's um, the platform of Philippine Blockchain Week, which I want you to kind of talk about, you know, how that started and what, what just happened last uh, quarter, but also kind of what the future that looks like. I know you got some upcoming dates and things that are uh, being um, in the mix. So how was this the catalyst? Was Axie kind of that? Or were you already thinking about Web3 and, and building kind of the platform in the ecosystem? Um, well, that, that's a good question. Actually, when I saw Axie, I saw something, uh, something, some, something's there, right? And, and that's something we can, you know, when even when the SLP price went down to, to, to just a few cents left, right? So it totally has no value anymore. What you saw is that the power of the Filipino, if you motivate them enough, incentivize them enough, they're really you know they're really more than ready to enter right plunge into a particular into a particular technology or a particular platform they wouldn't even care they will find a way right and i think what what we're seeing is also that the web 1 and of course now web 2 is space is is getting to be very saturated uh, there are no new things coming up and when 
people started to talk about web3 we begin to see oh there the, you know blockchain may 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 there's some, there may be something there right so so as uh, you know before before i started uh, the philippine blockchain week uh, with with some of the conveners uh, initially my background has been i've been organizing marketing conferences and management conferences on the side for organizations for the past 10 years so when so, when when uh, when when uh, when francesca approached me and said you know can we do something like a philippine blockchain week i said okay that would be I, I'll, I'll close my eyes and i think i can just mount this of course i didn't know the challenges ahead but i know i can set up a conference right uh what i didn't know is that you know when i set up digicon before i know everyone in digital when we were setting up the philippine blockchain week we did i didn't know personally i didn't know anyone uh so i had to really do my research and i realized i can't i can't do it alone and that's why we had to gather the conveners uh in the space so some we met in uh, some conferences, and we were very lucky to bring a a set of conveners into the Philippine Blockchain Week to to really set it to set it up properly. You know, in the Philippine Blockchain Week, the first one we had more 104 speakers, more than half or 60 or 70 are coming from around the world, right? They all flew in, and I think that that shows you. And we were able to you know give the Filipinos a taste of what a global conference is, and also how active the you know the blockchain the nft the metaverse space is already uh you know it's thriving around the world right so so for me it's it's really we saw an opportunity uh to, to gather everyone we saw we saw an opportunity to push it forward uh note that we were the uh text capital of the world in the year 2000 when text messaging sms was here we were the philippines were the first to capitalize on that mm -hmm. and then after that we were the social media capital of the world by virtue of the time spent, by virtue of the, the the time spent on social media, at the same time, the number of posting, sharing, and all of that, we would lord it over. And that's why we really felt that we could become a, a blockchain or, or an NFT capital of the world uh, sooner more than later. Yeah, it Only seems like you guys already are with, you know, 30 to 25, 30% of people playing Axie Infinity, owning mm -hmm. NFTs, and doing that yep. stuff. So great job of sort of, seeing what's next i think that's kind of what ties all three of us together we're doing this web3 show is we kind of tend to see what's coming right we could tell that oh look at this the, the web2 world is ending a little too much censorship a little too much yep. control we maybe need some decentralization oh look oh look at ai starting to pop up oh play to earn blockchain crypto digital yep. assets all of these things and as we move forward it's an exciting time in the world and uh i'm i'm, I'm glad that uh, that you're part of this journey here with us and we're part of your journey good sir yep, yeah thank you after oh go ahead go ahead donald i was i was, oh. gonna... I was saying that i was just want to react to what uh travis said you know when you talk about the web 2 being you know uh it's it's boiling already right the the, the tipping point of, of web 2 web 2 social media the social media capital of the world has become a very violent space also it has it has become a very negative space in a way. For example, in the last elections, uh, you will you will see, especially in twenty sixteen, you will see really people fighting over. We 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 were also the the place where fake news was born. We're 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 also where you talk about social media armies, and you can have you will hear stories of two thousand people BPO capital plus social media capital. Imagine. Right, right. Where they right. you know, huge, you know, cell phone farms where they're all just yeah. like like this. Oh wow, yeah, that's crazy. So we can change opinion. We can create articles and 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 give you and I, you know, to thinking that it is it is true, even if it's false, because so many people will be sharing it. That's happening all over the world, though. Yeah, I think decentralization. 
That's another thing, Chris, that I think is interesting. There's a new project now called Noster, N-O-S-T-R, which is built on top of Bitcoin as a decentralized yep. social media sort of ecosystem that's not owned one by anyone. So maybe on a future episode, we'll talk more about that. But it seems like people all over the world are getting kind of fed up of this social media control type stuff. Yep. And yep. how do we decentralize it so there are no gatekeepers? Sure. But, and, and I think, you know, to, to kind of go a little bit, expand on that, I, you know, there's, there was a lot of, of that outsourcing work by social media, large tech companies to places like the Philippines that was about censoring the bad. So as much bad stuff as still ended up on Web2 platforms, which we were just talking about, there was so much PTSD. There's been articles and Wired and all the over the last several years about the people that actually had to sit there and decide what didn't end up on Facebook oh. and sitting in rooms for eight hours a day looking at the worst of humanity's, you know, mm -hmm. expression. Most people would not last 90 days in that position typically. No, right? yeah, that's exactly right. It was like it was seeing the worst of humanity every day. Yeah, and it was literally like 90 days, Travis. It was. It was like it was like the average yeah. turnover. And you know, so I I kind of look at it like you're in this interesting, you know, really important ecosystem. And again, I can't say enough about we've already talked about it, but there is something just genuinely pleasant about Filipinos that just is palpable. And what, you know, kind of the I guess the humanitarian me, the idealist in me as much as I'm a pragmatist, just hopes and wants web3 and the energy that I felt when I was there at the event with everybody else, you know, the the energy that I felt was of possibility. It was of youth. It was it was um, it was really noticeable. And it was it had things that we try and endeavor to do in other markets like here where we go. Oh, we need more women on stage or we need this and we try and do those things. And and it's a noble effort. But it, it almost just felt at your event like it was just part of how it is it, it was like almost like natural like i remember being shocked in a pleasant way that like the first three or four keynotes and think like i was on like third i think and the first couple things before me and after me were majority were women and and i yep. was like wow like you don't see that at a lot of these tech conferences in other parts of the world and and it wasn't like you guys were sitting there going we're going to be diverse like it wasn't some polyed, you know, like some no. promoted thing. It was just naturally organic to the thing. And when you factor in the fact that, yes, there's a lot of negative things that, um, you know, people have outsourced there, fake news, those kind of things, those are problems. And those are, but at the same time, there's like this underlying opportunity that balances it out. And I, and it's just a really unique kind of place to be um, in the market today, I think is, is Southeast Asia and specifically in, in Manila in the Philippines. Yeah, well, that's very interesting. In fact, uh, when we talk about gender equality, we, we always say that the men said it's not equal. The women lord it over. <laughs> so they, 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 they tend to di dictate our lives, right? So so I think you, maybe more, you know, if you, you see some of these tech companies, you see a lot of male programmers, but they're led by a woman. It's, 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 it's not abnormal to, to, to see that. Right. And that's why maybe that's a good observation, Chris, when you, when you were here, a lot of uh, speakers are actually women here. Yeah, and like I said, it wasn't something that was like you know heavily promoted. It was just something I, I noticed. It was like it was like, just, oh wow, look at that. That's interesting. Um, so talk to us. We got a couple minutes left. So talk to us about kind of what's next. Like where? So you had this first one. You had the event. You you kind of formed this council now. That's that's got all these um, participants in right. it from all sides. There's some legislation passed for the special economic zone that looped in blockchain and Web three, which is interesting. 
But like now you're kind of planning the next event and then maybe something big in the fall. Talk to us a little bit about where that is. Well, yeah, I think what's important is the setting up of the Blockchain Council of the Philippines. So we were sworn in by our cabinet secretary, so of DICT, you know, the Department of Information, Communication, and Technology, and technically legitimizes us. So any cabinet officer, a cabinet office who's going to explore blockchain or has any question with blockchain, they will not, hopefully they don't put a stop to, if, if something happens, something bad happens, they won't put a stop. Rather, they would actually explore and have a dialogue with us. So that's the intent of setting up the council. At the same time, we would like to reward and award those who have been there uh, ahead of uh, ahead of us. So we would like to recognize them best in class work, people who have pioneered this space. So it's all about giving them recognition. So for Philippine Blockchain Week, we're very excited. No, we've set, in fact set the date already. Uh, it's the third week of September, uh, and uh, uh, 2023. Uh, we're bringing in again. I, I would I would think we're bringing in again 100 speakers coming in. Uh, same venue in the Marriott. We, we we're gonna put it make it our home. They've been a very good partner for us, uh, and and a lot of things that that we're that we're cooking right now. You no, know? so uh, I think in the next week or so you will see us launching it already. Well, we have a theme. I'll, uh, we'll launch a theme, so you have to wait for it. Uh, but but uh, it, it's really, really, hope the intent is really to make it bigger. Uh, you haven't seen actually the basement. The basement is a massive, so we're going to partner with one who will really manage all the booth space for us, more than 100 of it. So again, we're you know, you, you, you see the major capitals of the world having their own blockchain weeks. We thought that the Philippines, yeah, we have some numbers to show, but the Philippines has never been on the map for anything. Right, for anything. I mean, who, who cares about the social media capital of the world or a BPO capital? I mean, Manila is, is still, we don't get a lot of good vibes and good news by by the by the media, right? Only if there's bad news. So we're not too, you know, we have, I don't think we I don't think we're we're, we're treated very fairly uh by, by the international news. But I think when you're here, you know, I still encounter when I have a lot of my international friends coming in and I said, Oh, you're it's safe there. <laughs> I thought it's not safe, or I have to stay in BGC in, in the fort. Anywhere else, uh, I might get kidnapped. That's 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 weird. You can walk in the street anywhere. It'd be okay. Anywhere. I've been I've been on a few islands there in the Philippines. It's just such a sure. such a wonderful place. I love the idea of having Blockchain Week there. I think that's a, a very solid thing. As you know, the Philippines continues to evolve. You guys are leading. Quite frankly, you're leading a lot of stuff. What's going on? You guys are seeing this NFT and Web three use cases. You're diving in and you're embracing it. Whereas a lot of places around the world are kind of keeping it at an arm's length. You guys are fully embracing it. And I think that's part of the, the reason that we're seeing success there. And quite frankly, Chris, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more in Southeast Asia over time as the sort of global economy, economic power sort of shifts. Yeah, no, without a question. I mean, this has been super enlightening, Donald. Thanks for diving deep with us on this episode. And, you know, I agree with you, Travis, you know, as a parting thought, I would say, I personally, I don't think you can have a, a complete go-to-market strategy if you plan on selling in that part of the world without understanding how to implement a consumer market in the Philippines. Because um, although it's different than Seoul, it's different than Hong Kong, it's different than Singapore in a lot of ways, the reality is, is it's a very uh, thirsty and hungry market for this kind of thing. And it's a very viral market and it's a very endearing market to the brands that they latch onto and to not have a strategy for it would just be a massive miss. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. I know we're, we're a very young country, a very young democracy, a very young country, but willing to learn and ready to learn. Awesome. Donald, thanks for being here. Travis, great to see you again. 
That's all we got for right. this. And Donald, episode. thanks for being part of the Web3 show, baby. Every week Thank we you. see a lovely face over Honor there. Honored to be here. Thank that's you. Thank right. you for yeah. being this platform. Yeah, that's awesome. So everybody, thanks for listening. And make sure you tune in weekly to, to learn from Donald and from Travis and I what's happening in the short segments. And then uh, we'll keep bringing these long-form audios as well. That's all we got for today. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Tune in each week to Web3 Show live on FinTech TV each Wednesday. And look for long-form audio podcasts with guests on this audio podcast channel each Monday and Friday. Learn more at web3show.io. And we will see you next time.